Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. My name's Kevin Graham, and on this kind of muggy Friday here, it's a horrible Friday actually, here it's nice and rainy, I'm joined by Liam. Liam, how's things in Japan? Uh, we bit, probably we bit colder than where you are. Uh, we've gone from uh, the summer straight to winter over here. Uh, bloody freezing. <laughs> what, 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 what is bloody freezing? <laughs> Tell me, what is uh, bloody freezing right. in Japan? Right, well, basically, where I am, Nagano, is about the same climate as uh, as Glasgow. So it's, uh, you know, I think it's sitting at about seven or eight degrees just now. So, uh, Well, that is probably 
cooler than here. I'm just, mm. I'm just, uh, I'm just actually back from Mexico, Paddy. So I'm bloody frozen. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm no, I'm no actually going to lie. I am really, really cold and obviously quite depressed because I've just came back, came straight back into work. But I'm not depressed to be here talking to you about the mighty Glasgow Celtic. Actually, no, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest here. I haven't seen a minute of our last four games. I'm missing a minute of last four games. So, hmm. I'm sure you have, Liam. So, tell us where we are. What have I missed since I've been away? Right, basically, um, since uh, since the European game last week, there have been two very different responses to that. One team has scored 10 goals in two games. The other team has struggled to beat two very mediocre opponents. So I think Celtic have definitely come out of that uh, the better of the two. So, so we've came, we've came out of it the better. We've came out of it the better of the two. I'll just apologise to the viewers if there's some noise comes from outside my window. My neighbours get a bit of work done, so I might disappear if it gets too noisy to out to go out and actually give them a bit of a rope. But there's important things happening in my kitchen. And they should they should be on their lunch. It should be peace time for them at this precise moment in time. I, well, if you look at it from the Rangers' point of view, they they have struggled. They've had a couple of hammerings, especially in Europe. Uh, and we and let's have a, let's, I suppose we need I suppose we need to have a look at the European thing. Mm. I think all has been proved this season in Europe for us, Liam. Is we're a three star. All, all-inclusive resort, trying to be a five-star all-inclusive resort, and we're not there yet. That's a, and then I think that's where we need to get. We are a fun Europa League side, a good Europa Conference side, but we are not a Champions League side, and that is no disgrace. And anybody that believed that we would be a Champions League side this season, I think was maybe asking a bit much. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. But but the one thing I would say, just to kind of quantify that a wee bit, um, and again, I don't like to keep talking about you know the the Ibrox Tribute Act or whatever you want to call them, but the statistics show Celtic have got one more point than Rangers at the moment in 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 Europe, right? But if you look at the performances, we have competed in every single game that we've played, including against the European champions. So I think we are not at a stage yet where we can consistently pick up points in these games, but we are at a stage where we can consistently make a fight of it, which is better than uh, than the other mob at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think as well on our opponents tomorrow, uh, Hearts, I mean, I go out my way not to watch Rangers in Europe. That's just my, my way of way of dealing with our rivalry. If they were playing out in my back garden, I wouldn't actually go and watch them. I mean, I'd rather watch these guys trying to dig up my street <laughs> than, 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 than go and watch Rangers. But I think when you look at I've seen a couple of Hearts games and they've gave the impression that they've stowed away in a suitcase to Europe rather than actually believing that they should be there. And for what I gather from some Rangers supporting friends and people who decide to watch Rangers in Europe, they've kind of done the same in Europe. They've just kind of went, oh, we'll see what happens. Whereas we in the games that I've watched with us, 
obviously discounting the last Leipzig game, uh, we've kind of had a go and had chances and we've had a, a, a bit of what ifs and maybes. And we haven't looked out a place, but the facts of the matter are, Liam, the facts of the matter are we've got one point and are out of Europe with two games to go. That is a fact. Aye, I mean, the, aye, that, that, is, that is the fact and the facts are undeniable. But I just think that how you interpret those facts is is open to question. Um, and I think that our media have made a very good job of trying to categorise this as, oh my God, Scottish football is in the absolute pits. Because look at, it, look at us, you know, uh, three teams in Europe all getting beat routinely. Um, no, two teams are getting routinely scudded. One team is making a game of it, and that's Celtic. And that's where I think Ange was spot on when he said, do not throw us in with the rest of them, because we're a cut above that. We're still not where we want to be, but we are above everything else that Scotland has to offer at the moment. We are, and I can understand where the the mainstream media are coming from with regards to the whole of the Scottish game. But then I reckon the main, mainstream media have only got themselves to blame because they've accepted mediocrity for years and years. And yep. now we've got three teams in Europe and the three teams, points-wise, are not good, not doing well. And I think the problem that you've got with Scottish football is Scottish football's idea of like fine dining is a marshmallow on a stick and you stick it in a bonfire. And <laughs> we, we've been putting up with that for years and we've been appointing losers in Scottish football for years. And Robbie Nielsen's one of them. Derek McInnes is another one. You look at this season as well. Dundee United got rid of Jack Ross, just pro- just promoted their youth team coach. Motherwell got rid of, after that was a dreadful result for Motherwell in Europe against Sligo Rovers. They got rid of, I can't even remember the name of their manager. Alexander, Graham Alexander. Aye. They got rid of Graham Alexander and promoted and promoted like um, the boy Hamill, Stevie Hamill mm. for his first thing. Like, for me, that shows a lack of ambition, a lack of thought. It shows f- a fear factor of actually taking a chance to improve the Scottish game. I mean, I reckon if he actually broke Robbie Nielsen in half, he'll be like a Blackpool Rockwell loser and printed in the middle of them. And, but they keep on getting jobs. And until Scottish football improves, they're probably... Uh, we, we mean Celtic are actually probably getting slagged, Liam, for doing mm. something different. For actually, trying to, for, for, trying to, for actually trying to bring in a Aye. modern style of football. And even some of the Celtic support at that point we're like, oh, what are we trying to do here? And there's still mm. got some supporters are actually saying, aye, when we go 2-1 up in Europe and that, we need to shut up shop. It's a mentality, no. it's a loser's mentality that we've got in Europe. No, and, the, the, and, that, the, and that comes from the Scot that comes from the Scottish perception, and I think Anne just touched on that as well. That that's something which living in Japan for, you know, uh, fifteen years as I have, um, I notice that the approach to the game here is completely different. And that is why they've been to every World Cup since 1998 and Scotland haven't been to a World Cup since 1998. Mm -hmm. Um, In Japan, you know, if Japan are playing Brazil tomorrow, their attitude is, all right, how do we go out there and give the best possible performance and give them the, the most fearsome challenge, right? They played Brazil on a friendly earlier this year. Brazil beat them 1-0, but Japan 
were in charge for large spells of that game and contained Brazil really well. Um, now, again, it does sound a bit like the, oh yeah, you know, gallant defeat, whatever, but if that had been Scotland, we'd get beat 3 nothing and saying, oh well, it could have been 7, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's just a completely different mentality. And the Japanese press were genuinely disappointed that Japan lost a home game, even though it was to Brazil, you know? Um, that's Japan are a team that you know, in terms of world football status, should be Scotland should be aiming to be on a par with teams like that. But we're not. We're not even close. As Japan have ascended, we have descended. Definitely, they're, they're international. I mean, I, I believe that Steve Clark's a good fit for an international team. I don't. Hmm. I, I do not want him anywhere near my football club. No. Because of no. the style of football that he actually plays, but I believe he's a good fit. International football is a lot of attrition. The, the manager has only got a certain amount of time with the players, and it's a completely different coaching method that's actually needed in international football. And I think Steve Clark fits that absolutely perfectly. With regards to the, the mindset of the Scottish fan, I think that needs to change as well. I mean, uh, I mean People will have a look at Rangers' fluky run to the Europa League final last year. And I still say that they, they wouldn't have got to the Europa League final if they had a centre-forward. The fact is they didn't have a centre-forward and, and it changed the way that they actually played against teams. They're two good results against... They're two good results against the two German mobs, but everybody else you looked at in that one, you go, well, we should have been beating them anyway. When you actually look at it. And I think the Scottish mentality is all oh, we're, we're, we're too wee, we can't compete. And we see that at a domestic level as well. I'm fed up hearing teams like Dundee United, Motherwell going, we can't compete with Celtic, we can't compete with Rangers because we haven't got the money. Well, no, you find a way to compete. You should Aye. be finding a way to compete. And it's the same way Hearts going into Europe and us going into Europe. We need to find a way to compete. We shouldn't just accept it. We can't. We shouldn't just accept that there's a that there's a vast monetary difference in what the what clubs are actually playing all over Europe. I, I find that I find that attitude laughable, and I think that's what's put Scottish football back twenty odd years, thirty odd years, and especially the international the international stuff as well. We need to find a way of bridging this gap, and Ange Postecoglou wants to bridge that gap where others just seem to be able to just want to accept the rubbish that we've been served up over the last decade or so. Yeah, yeah. I mean that 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 that's the that's the underlying theme. Is this just this acceptance of not even mediocrity? It's like aspiring to one day be mediocre, you know, um, and that's not. That's not how good football is played. And, you know, I think that is why there has been, particularly recently, so much hostility towards Ange from certain sections of the media. He has come in and said, look, this this is nonsense. I don't know what game you guys are playing, but this is not how, how good football is played. And I don't think that, you know, the Hugh Keevans of this world like being shown up for the, uh, the, the, the shells for mediocrity that they are. I know, and it's funny, I don't know what Hugh Keevans is actually saying, but Cooker Brother comes in and says, don't forget Celtic are imploding, according to Hugh Keevans. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what, what, what he's been saying. And I think I'm going to bring up this point. Uh, uh, Gary, uh, was it Gary Melrose? Or I'll bring up Gary. FS comes up. 
We mm. competed for 60 minutes consistently. Subsystem needs further adjustments for Europe. I think, the 60, I think the 60 minutes thing is a, is a great point, but I also think it shows that we lack in certain areas of the squad. The squad is good enough domestically, and I says the squad was good enough domestically after the St. Martin game. I says that's a, that was a one-off, complete and utter aberration of a of of a of a game where every where sixteen players played badly on the day, and that yeah. and that happened. I says the squad. I've always believed that the squad was good enough to domestically. In Europe, it probably isn't for the level that we want Celtic to be at, and Ange Postecoglou wants Celtic to be at. Uh, Gary Melrose comes in, absolutely, we went out fighting and playing our own football with better finishing required. They did a Lennon and tried to steal a point here and there. We need incremental improvement. Um, we do need imp- incremental improvement. And would I be over the top to say to get that incremental improvement, we should be looking to improve in the striking department at that level? I think certainly that um, the... The fact that none of our strikers had prior Champions League experience showed. I think that was one glaring weakness that really showed. Um, There was a lack of confidence, a lack of clinical finishing. Um, Because if you look at the, the, the ratio of chances created to goals scored, right? We might create, say, 15, 20 chances in the average game in Scotland and take four or five of them on a good day. In Europe, it's more like we're getting four or five chances a game, and we should be putting away one or two of them. You know, that that's the... The ratios are not quite matching up. The, the, the ratios are not quite matching up. I'll, I'll put this to you then, Liam. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. put this to you. There was a chance that we had against Shakhtar Donetsk away and I was on the post-game with Kevin McCluskey and I says to Kevin McCluskey that Yakamakis scores that chance if it's against Motherwell. That's in yep. the back of the net if it's against Motherwell. And yep. in the Champions League, everything's quicker and there's more pressure. And, mm-hmm. do, you, and do you see room for improvement? Like, like this is Kyogo and Yakamakis' first first. Uh, gig in the Champions League. We hope yep. to be we hope to be there next season. We were in the we were in the Europa last last year, and and, and uh, Kyogo proved that he could score in the Europa League. This has maybe just been another step up for him. Aye. See him well, see I mean, Wednesday night playing mm-hmm. Poster Cog, but he missed a few chances on Wednesday night as well. I have watched the highlights, even though I says I haven't seen a minute. I have seen watched the highlights in the goal, Liam's Liam. And see when Poster Cog shoved him back in front of the Celtic support to do do the dance that, that he does, eh? Aye. I couldn't help get the thing get the feeling as Kyogo Surahashi is playing for the biggest club that he'll ever play for. Possibly. And Possibly. That, well, that was my that was my gut feeling when I watched that clip. That was mm. my gut feeling. And now mm. I love the fact that he plays for us, but my gut feeling was he's maybe not got it to the level that we need to go to. I mean that 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 there's an interesting there's another aspect to that which I think is interesting that Dyson Maeda has come in for quite a bit of stick from certain portions of the Celtic support this, you know, the last wee while. And I think some of it has been justified because he's not quite 
hit the same levels he did last year. Um, but I also think a lot of it is just hyperbolic. You know, let's get on the bandwagon and, you know, crap on a particular player, uh, for want of a better phrase. But um, when you look at the Japan national team, Maeda is a more consistent starter and more consistent squad appearance guy than Kyogo is. And maybe that's because the Japan manager thinks that Maeda has the potential to go a wee bit further in the future than Kyogo does. So that might tie in with what you're saying, you know? Um, uh, it could. Maeda's became a bit of a weapon boy. He was a weapon boy before I, le- before I left. And I think it was just in the two games that, that before I left, which was meant to constitute the blip. Uh, mm-hmm. And I did use the inferred... The, the quotation marks there for anybody that's listening on audio later on. <laughs> uh, I mean, it probably was justified, but there was a lot of, a lot of players in that team that it was absolutely justified to say, well, they're not playing well. There's been, been a drop in form. Kyogo was one of them. But Maeda, I think it is what it is with Maeda. It's very easy to jump on because there is a definite lack of finesse about him. Aye. It, 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 his his weaknesses are very glaring, Liam. I mm-hmm. think that's and it's easy to jump on that because it does it does look like that he's trying to trap a beach ball and a gale force wind at times. And by the same token, his strengths are not things that you're necessarily going to notice unless you're looking for them. Most people who watch a game on the TV are not going to see all the tracking back that he does. They're not going to see all the ground that he covers. I mean, um, my my friend Sean from a uh, from Celtic Down Under, he he said um, when he went to the the Dundee United game when he was back in Scotland, a, you know, a couple of months ago, he actually said that um, Maeda was a guy who went up a lot more in his estimation when he actually saw him at a ground live because he could see everything that he was doing off the ball, which the TV cameras do not pick up. Uh, I mean, what I say is before the start of the season, I says he would be pivotal for us in Europe because of the work rate and what he actually covers. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I'm maybe one of the lucky few that haven't seen his cross against Leipzig <laughs> and the whole, <laughs> the, the whole thing that happened. So maybe I'm maybe I'm no judging it on that. But I but mm. I understand any time that I see Maeda in the team, I understand why he's there for the system. And I know yeah. nothing about football systems, and I know nothing about football, but I know why he's there. I'm not understand why Poster Coglu's uh, picking him because he fits the Poster Coglu's style. And it is really interesting, Liam. If you listen to Poster Coglu, he wanted Maeda before he wanted Kyogo. So that maybe yeah. backs up that maybe backs up what you're saying about the Japan national team as well. Well, I mean, you know, I've. I, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I've said this on 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 Axon before. You know, I I, I saw Maeda play for my local team uh, three or four years ago, and he then you could see he was a cut above everything else in that team. Now that team ended up getting relegated from the J League, so obviously they're not anywhere near Celtic's level. But um, you could see that Maeda was a guy who was going to go on to bigger things even then, and I think. Both Kyogo and Maeda, the next year to 18 months at Celtic are going to largely determine do they go on to become international stars along the same lines as like a a Shinji Kagawa or a Keisuke Honda 
or do they end up settling for life at Celtic and essentially do what Shinsuke Nakamura did, play for us for four or five years, then go back to Japan and go into semi-retirement, you know? Aye, and uh, maybe that's a Japanese thing, maybe it's a European attitude to players from that area of the world thing as well. Remember, who was the guy who played for Perugia? Uh, the, the, the Japanese boy that played for uh, Nakata. 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 He was a fantastic player. Was he the yeah. boy who retired at 29? I don't know, 29, but he, he did retire pretty young. Um, he did, I, I remember aye. he retired after a World Cup, but he just he had, he had enough. Eh? Um, and, and I don't know whether that's a European thing, a European snobbery, which we've spoke about quite a lot over the last 18 months. And I admitted yeah. that I did have European snobbery especially when it came to Postacoglu and I had to listen to guys like yourself eh, regarding Ange Postacoglu. Stevie Boy comes in, I'm going to clarify my comment here, Stevie. Mm. Kev, you forgot the two cup final goals for Kyogo, not got it. Aye, his form's dipped, but to say he hasn't got it, behave. I never says he hasn't got it. What I says is his form has dipped, but I'm unsure if he's got and um, he step up the level that we actually need to take one chance in Europe, and uh, and that's just before I've seen this season for him. I love him. His two goals against Hibs were absolutely fantastic. I was overjoyed that he actually scored that tap another night after a few dodgy misses. But I'm thinking the same about Yakamakis, and I'm I'm on record saying about Yakamakis. There is a reason why Georgios Yakamakis has ended up with us. And it's glaringly obvious why the top goal scorer in the Eredivisie has ended up in Scotland because his, his deficiencies are clear to see and he wouldn't fit an elite level side. And I, and I don't think I'm in bad on Jordios Yakamakis actually saying that. I'm just saying what I actually see. See as you see is what uh, Tom O'Connor used to say in, in that, that game show. No, Roy, Roy, Roy Walker, Walker, was it no? It was Roy Walker, was it Roy no? Walker. <laughs> yeah. It looked the same. Aye, aye. Um, no, but the, I, I think that the you know those two goals that Kyogo scored in the cup final last year, they show that for Celtic he can be a top class player. But that's for Celtic where we are now. Where we are in two or three years' time, assuming we continue to develop, Kyogo is going to have to step up as the team steps up, as is everybody else in the squad. Um, I mean, to be honest, in two or three years' time, I think the one of the Japanese players we've got, the one that I see going for really big money is Hatate. Um I think he is the most naturally gifted out of the four of them. His goal the other night was... Oh. A, a great bit of skill and uh, it was utterly bamboozling that he'd done it in such a tight tight space and he had this, the speed of thought to do it. But again, and this is no down crying him, but you can see the adjustment that he's had to make this season as well. There's some games passed him by this season. But I think yeah. that is just natural. The guys that have come in for another culture came into that step up into the Champions League. These guys, well, apart from Maeda, who says he watches baseball and doesn't watch too much football. Uh, but <laughs> but these, these, these guys actually see the Champions League as a pinnacle of club football. And they're yeah. now playing in that competition in a year... Uh, 
in under a year since they moved to Europe. Of course, it's going to be a surprise to them. Of course, it's going to be a surprise to the majority of the Celtic players who, I think the game against Leipzig, Paul pointed out to me there was only one player with Champions League experience before this season, which was yeah, Joe, Hart. Joe Hart. And I think we've got to accept that. But I think we've also got to accept that there's a reason why some players are with Celtic and there is areas for improvement, even though we love guys like Kyogo, we love guys like Yakamakis, we love we love guys we love guys like Matt O'Reilly and Akai, guys like that. There's a there is a, always room for improvement. And Ange Postacoglu, even his comments about I pick the team up and walk away and see and, and stuff like that, even though it's I take that as a bit tongue in cheek. He's mm. saying that because he knows that he's got to make the hard decisions. And I think there's some players there that are stopgap players moving on. And moving moving forward, Postacoglu will actually look to improve them. And he knows himself. If he sees players that have got the ability to improve, I think think O'Reilly and Atati have showed the ability to have room for improvement. But there's others in the squad where I'm looking at going, maybe you're now at your ceiling with us. And mm. there is going to be there is there has got to be a churn here, and you've got to have a look at the two two forwards. If you as you say, both of them haven't scored in Europe this season, so yeah. right away that's an obvious blinker look at it. What what I would say to that though is, um, you know, Tony Ralston, right? Eighteen months ago, if you'd have told me that he would have been one of the best uh, defenders at Celtic Park. You'd have been people would have been saying you should have been committed, right? It's like um, no one would have ever dreamed that Tony Ralston would come back to become the the iconic figure that he is now, um, and that just shows you that guys can have a dip. They can sometimes be completely out of the picture, and sometimes all it takes is a few games, a couple of goals, a couple of big performances, and they're flying again. I mean, Joe Hart. Joe Hart was in the complete wilderness when he came to us, and he's now one. He's now one of my favourite players. I'll be honest. You know, he, he, he is. He, he had. A, he's another player that's had a bit of a blip. Um, mm. Kaiser, we'll wrap up the European talk and we'll move on to uh, the, the weekend. Kaiser, are we a hundred percent mathematically out? I think there's more chance of lost trust getting back into number 10 than us actually getting out of this Champions League group. Even though we're not mathematical out, I think we need two 4 nothing victories or something like that and, a, and quite a quite a big turn, turnaround. No, uh, I, be- I believe that Champions League we're out, Europa League we still have a chance. Still That's, have a chance. Yeah, we have to beat Shakhtar next week and then we have to do better than they do in their final game. So if Leipzig take care of them, a draw with Real Madrid would be enough. If they get a draw with Leipzig, we need to beat Real Madrid. Mm. So, not impossible, but... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for.
Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Yeah. Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. Andrew comes in. Uh, Hatati showed composure on the weekend and also against Mullerby. We need that composure in Europe. And I yeah. think that, that that is coming. I, I do think that is coming. Uh, well, let's, let's have a look. Daniel Mack. Kyogo not as good as Dembele. At, the mo- at this moment in time, yes. I think that's quite clear. Different type of player, though, to be fair. Different type of player, but Dembele has moved. He's played with Atletico Madrid and Leon. Can mm-hmm. I see Kyogo at this precise moment in time playing with Atletico Madrid or Leon? Unfortunately, I can't. And I love the mm-hmm. fella to, and I'm not being, I'm not, I'm not actually being really, really negative. Lubo, I'm not being harsh, but just, we're just speaking about what, what's been, what we can speak about the facts in front of our eyes that we've seen over the last four European games. That, 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 that's what that's what um, that's what I feel I'm actually talking about as well. Well Liam, I'll ask you a question. I mm-hmm. really believe for the sake of progress we've got to beat Shakhtar at home. I think yeah. we I think for for this to be labelled as a season where we've progressed in Europe, we've got to beat Shakhtar at home, which means we've actually took four points off Shakhtar who were the third pot team. For me that would be progress. But yeah. we need to, for the sake of the side and for our sanity, we've got to beat Shakhtar. Last season, we won games in the Europa League. If we win a game in the Champions League this season, that's a demonstrable step up. So, yeah, totally agree with you on that one. Totally. Stephen comes in and says, Tom O'Connor was named that tune. Was that no Lionel Blair? No, Lionel Blair was give us a clue, mate. What am I actually going about? Tom, Tom O'Connor was crosswits, was he no? That's anyway. See, see the rabbit holes I go down sometimes. Right. We play Hearts and more at Tyne Castle. Mm. And there's been a couple of folk in the comments asked for it. So... Let's talk about VAR, which is <laughs> in Scottish football. Yes. Anyway, I'm, I'm for this. It's not good for the match-going supporter. It isn't mm. it? It's not going to be good for the match-going supporter. Um, it's going to be great for it. VAR for me is for the television audience. Mm. That's the only reason it's been brung in. It hasn't been brung in to actually help the referees. It's it's been brung in for like the TV audiences to make the game more a spectacle because I know what I'm like, Liam, and maybe you're the same. If you're watching a game that's got VAR and something happens, you're going, Oh, that's got to go to that's got to go to Aye. VAR, that's got to go Aye. to VAR. This is this has got to get chopped off. And you saw it again. You saw it against Leipzig in the whole game, the, uh, in their way, in their way leg. 
Aye. As soon as the show's it was close, when that's going to VR is getting called off, and so it's exciting if you're a fan. Probably with no emotional attachment to the game, sitting watching it on the telly, but Aye. at the stadium is going to be absolutely horrible because you could have, I mean, you could have scraped your shins and you could have went absolutely mental, piled on the boy next day, and that and the goal gets chopped off, and that's no and- good. In saying that though, I was at my first um, my first in person game for uh, for three years uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, my wife and I went to see Japan international ladies against New Zealand, and there was VAR at that game. And now Japan won two 0 and ne- neither of the goals were disputed, so there was no there was no goal checking VAR. But there was a couple of like you know was it a penalty? Was that a booking? Whatever, and. I was actually amazed at how quickly it was done. Um, but that is because I think the Japanese probably have a far more efficient refereeing system than Scotland does. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a bit of a, a political comparison here. It's not a political statement, just a political comparison to VAR, right? Um, have, having read up on political theory as much as I have, I used to be a journalist. Um, I still am, part-time, but anyway... Um, VR for me is a bit like communism. It's a very, it's a very good idea in principle, but it all depends on who are the people trying to carry it out, right? Right. <laughs> so, you know, I so, think so, that... so right. Let, 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 let's go do a, a, a right, right turn here, a left turn. Right? A left turn, so, We'll go to a left turn. So, what you're mm-hmm. saying is VR is a great uh, idea if Gorbachev had managed to put through his view for a socialist republic when he broke up the Iron Curtain instead of capitalist gangsters coming in and taking it over. Exactly. Exactly. S- substitute. Capitalist gangsters for Masons from Lanarkshire, and you get the picture. Yeah. <laughs> Aye, uh, I mean, that's the problem. I mean, I, I've been, I've, I've said this on this podcast for four years. I do mm. not believe that the referees are biased. I just believe that they're absolutely terrible, <laughs> and and uh, there's some decisions that are absolutely baffling. And mm. we can, I mean, even even like. I never watched the game last Saturday for obvious reasons, but my dad watched it and I phoned my dad and the first thing my dad says to me was... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. That referee was terrible today, and that was in a 6-1 victory. And like that, you're like, well, 
he must have been terrible if that's what you're talking about straight away. Well, after he was, the thing is, he was. He was. Um, you know, with a perfectly good goal disallowed, um, they should have had at least a couple of red cards. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it was a very, very poor referee in display. But it's quickly forgotten about because we won 6-1. So it's something we've yeah. always spoke about on this podcast, and I've actually been slagged about it in post games. When, mm. when uh, in post games we've went like that referee was terrible, even though we won, but we yeah. still have to call out a terrible referee in performance. And mm. what your your doubts about VAR are, are perfectly valid because my doubts are that the the people who are running it. Will just be as useless as the guys that are officiating in the park. Yeah, I don't. I don't doubt the technology. I don't doubt the principle of it, but I severely doubt the competence and, in some cases, the integrity of the people who are going to be running it in Scotland. Andrew, again, comes in VAR ruins games and cancels out good goals. Someone is always holding someone's shirt. Well, I would I would disagree with that, Andrew, but the reason I would disagree with it is this. I think the rules offside rule especially is utterly shambolic where you can be offside if your kneecap's offside and the rest of your body's behind. If your pinky's offside, you're offside. I think the rules and the handball rule in that as well completely ruin the game. For offside, your whole body's got to be offside for me, for you to have any sort of advantage whatsoever. Uh, so you just can't give offside because like your kneecap's offside or your hand is offside or you've got a strange body shape. We handball as well. There's got to be an intent to play the ball. There's got to be an intent to actually put your hand down. Yeah, I mean, to actually do it. I think I think VAR gets a lot of blame for stupid, stupid rules. Aye, this whole, this whole thing with body parts is just complete nonsense. I mean, right, case in point, I had the... <laughs> going from left, we're now going to right, OK? Um, I had the privilege once of actually seeing in person and holding Paolo Di Canio's boots, right? Now, Paolo Di Canio was only a size four, right? For a, a very physical player, he had tiny feet. Now... If you apply the, the logic that, you know, your toenail could be offside and get a goal disallowed, if, if the same chance is being played in and Chris Sutton takes it or Paolo Di Canio takes it, if Di Canio scores it, he's onside. If Sutton takes it, he's offside, simply because he's got bigger feet. You know, that's that's just daft, in my opinion. And, and this, I think VAR has had a lot of blame for a lot of stupid rule changes. And thought, go it's VAR ruining the game. Went, no, no, no. Tail-headed hobos that are making these rules up are absolutely Aye. ruining the game because these things just can't be justified at all. Like <laughs> when, when you actually look at, it. I mean, so, so, some somebody can actually just go like that, and there has to be an intent for a ball. The, the, the guy has to intend for his his hand needs to move. For mm. that, that's what I'm basically saying. So I think VAR gets a lot of blame for stuff uh, that it shouldn't really get the blame for. Will it help? Will it help in Scottish football? I think it will. I think it really will. Overall, will help in Scottish football mm. get decisions correct. I have got the same doubts as you, Liam, about the guys who are actually looking at it, and I do have major doubts about how, what will be like in the stadium. Uh, because I've only ever I've only ever experienced it watching it as a fan. I think the fan experience 
could be diluted because of it. But I'm actually open to change that opinion because I've never been at a game had VAR's actually been in like been in play. So I can't really comment on that. I'm just going with other folks' comments. I mean, I've I've been at one game where where it was used, and that was two weeks ago, as I said. But also, that was women's football. And to give women's football its due, there tends to be a lot less fouling in women's football, a lot less squabbling with a referee, and a lot less play acting. Um, Women's football is, I think... Now... There's a debate to be had about what's the what's the more entertaining thing to watch and what's the more. But I think in in the pure footballing terms, high level women's football is a purer version of the sport than the men's game. There is less cheating, there is less deception, and there is better refereeing. I think it's the historical way of the man's game. That, that maybe makes the women's game more clean, uh, uh, as you put it. I think there's a historical way of hundreds and hundreds of years of guys' football. Aye. And the, the, the stuff, that the, the historical budget baggage that goes with that. And I, I wouldn't really take that comparison myself. I'm just having a look at other, other leagues that use it. The first, uh, the, the first World Cup, I mean, the, the World Cup, it was in the last one, eh? For the first four or five games, it was terrible because nobody really knew what they were doing. Referees won the game decision, knowing the telly was going, actually going to give a decision. Mm-hmm. I think that's been ironed out all over Europe. So it'll be interesting to see like how the Scottish teams use it. There is a lot of comments, lads, and I understand what you're saying about pubs, referees drinking and stuff. And stuff <laughs> like that. Hey, hey. But I, for, for my own eyes, and I understand what you're really saying, I've always just said that the, the certain Scottish referees get promoted far, far too quickly. And the, the standard of refereeing and a whole in Scottish football is absolutely terrible. And that, that you just have to have a look at that, Liam. Is how many Scottish re- referees now actually get European ties, big European ties? Yeah, near, near them. Yeah, no, no. Um, I think I, I don't. I don't know if we're going to get any at the World Cup. Um, and even even you know back in the day, I mean, God. <laughs> but I know it's a bit of a bet noir amongst the Celtic fans, but Hugh Dallas was the fourth official at the World Cup final when it was played in Japan back in 2002. You know, our, our, our referees were once held in that high in esteem, you know? Hugh Dallas being held in high esteem is not... <laughs> we could have a complete and utter different podcast about that. Well, I'm going to... To use a political phrase, I'd have to recuse myself from that argument because when I was 16... The first big interview I ever got when I was copy boy at the Herald was with Hugh Dallas. So I am grateful to him for that. Whatever I might think of him as a as a referee or whatever, as a human being, he was very kind to me when I was a young reporter. So I have to I have to recuse myself from slagging the guy off too much because it'd be too faced of me to do so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, Derek Smith. The audience bringing commercial revenue, what brings in more cash at the turnstile? True, but as I've said previously, I think VR is definitely to improve the television experience. Yeah, that's going experience. Brown Warrior, small feet. I think uh, the small feet situation. <laughs> the answer is <laughs> obvious. Open toed mics, 
That's <laughs> that, that is the answer. Other other uh, shoe manufacturers are available. They're not. They're not. With, with or without toes. And Lord Lewis Kincora the third, Liam <laughs> Dublin is regularly one foot offside. Yes. Well, the yes. rumours are that is true. Well, I think it would depend on how you know. How excited he was at the time, shall we say? Yes, rumours are it was true. Tagline today, Liam, is Celtic return to Tyne Castle. Should Kyogo or Yakamakis lead the line? Mm-hmm. Kyogo started during the week there. Did Yakamakis start against Hibs? As I say, I haven't done any research whatsoever over the last four games. So, Aye. Uh, um, do you know what I actually can't remember off the top of my head? Oh, it was Yakamakis that started. It was Jack the front three was Jack and Marcus, Haxabanovich and Forrest. So it was a wholesale change from what we were expecting. Wholesale change from what we were expecting. So you you've viewed the last four games, especially you've viewed the last two games. Who starts mm-hmm. at Tynecastle for you? Uh I think Haxabanovich definitely has earned a place on merit, especially if uh, Jota is still out. Um, How's Haxabanovich been? I mean, I've only seen his I, break I, into the team. I think he's been absolutely sensational. Um, I think we have a potential player of the year there. Um, I honestly, I've. The last time I remember a player coming into the team and making such an immediate impact uh, was probably Craig Bellamy. Um, oh. So that is kind of how highly I think he has the potential to go. Um, again, a bit raw, but he he made Forrest's first goal absolutely beautifully, completely ran the show in the first half, was taken off, I believe, mostly for tactical reasons. Um, but yeah, he is, he is awesome. And I don't know if maybe he's not quite up to a full 90 minutes yet, but when he, when he is... It's going to be frightening. Um, he is going to, he's going to, he's going to terrify teams in the same way Jota did when he first arrived on the scene last season. I think, because he's a he's a very very skillful player, but he's also still something of an unknown quantity. Um, and I think that was why we got Hibs as brutally as we did last weekend because they were not, you know, they had trained with the expectation of facing Kyogo and facing Maeda and facing Jota. And then when the lineup comes out, it's Giacomacus, Forrest and Haxabanovich. They had obviously not prepared for those at all, you know. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a rebirth from James Forrest after last week as well, eh? Uh, Aye. There's a lot of people eating a mud pie regarding Forrest and what he, what he contributed. Did he play on Wednesday? Did he come on Wednesday or did he get the weekend off? Um, I'm honestly not sure because Wednesday I literally saw about five minutes of highlights on YouTube because it was on at silly o'clock for me over here, unfortunately. Um, Long to mention it then. But Forrest last last week, where he's hat and his overall performance showed showed that he's domestically at least he's still got something. Aye. Do do you feel that Jota's been missed because the hacks are coming in? Not. Not as much as I thought he would be. I mean, obviously, a player of Jota's ability 
is obvious is always missed when he's not playing. But I think Haksabanovich went a long way to negating the. Put it this way: our front line did not look any noticeably weaker from having Haksabanovich in there instead of Jota. Um, that's, that's good to know. That's aye, I think Jota is probably still the better player in terms of overall ability at the moment, but. Um, Haksabanovic is a more than capable deputy. Brendan, Brendan comes in to show that he's paying attention. Uh, didn't Aye. play on Wednesday, James Forrester. Uh, uh, <laughs> Thanks, he, Brendan. Failed us out there. Even just thinking about that, two games a week for James Forrest is probably beyond them at this precise moment in time, especially with the squad that we have got. Chilpill. Mm. Always commenting, not missing Jota much to be honest. And Derek Smith, Hazard has great strength and not so easy to push off the ball. Jota is brilliant, but might be a bit light. That I that that's it, it. He is definitely more. He's more impactful than Jota in that sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, not not afraid to fly into a tackle either when he has to, which is good to see from that. I like that from forward players. I like to see a bit of aggression. There's a lot of Haksabanovich love. Uh, Brenda comes in and says Haksa's class. Uh, Peter MG, Haksa is a player. Uh, but then Michael McDonald. Wouldn't it wouldn't it be a Friday and it wouldn't be the comments, Leo? Uh, Liam, what did I get Leo for there? Uh, maybe I'll... Aye. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be an axe on bulletin with me if somebody doesn't come in and tell, tells us to calm down. So Michael McDonald comes in to tell you to calm down, Liam, about your Craig Bellamy, Haksabanovich eh, comparison there. But that's just what happens. Eh? We've all got an opinion, eh? But I'm just, I mean, I literally plucked Craig Bellamy out there. It's like, who's a player who came into the team and made an immediate impact and an immediate big impact and for me it was Craig Bellamy you know I, I didn't say he's better than Henrik Larson or anything like that you know I mean come on um, <laughs> you know it's Friday night I've not had a drink yet for God's sake give me a break <laughs> Michael Dot is always miss don't kid yourself of course we're going to of course we're going to miss a player a Jota's ability of course we have but the results haven't been Bad since Jota's been injured. I think. I, I think the, the injury. I don't. What is the injury? Can anybody tell me what the injury is to Jota? Well, in, in Ange's own words, he's just too damn gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's been a problem for me all my life as well, Liam. Uh, just uh, too uh, damn gorgeous. Uh, 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 did you not mention fatigue as well? He's just played an awful lot of games. It's just a fatigue injury. And that, that's that's one thing that, because of the amount of games that, that are actually getting shoved in here before the start of this World Cup, that, mm-hmm. is, all, that is also going to be a problem. See, the other, the other thing is with, with fatigue-related injuries, um, you know, a little strain or a pull, rest up for a week and you're fine. Try and play through it. You can end up being out for three months because you end up ripping the muscle completely. So that's that's why I think it's a, a good idea for us to kind of nurse Jota back into the team because at the moment Haksabanovic is doing everything that we we would expect Jota to do anyway. Chilpo actually confirms what he says there, Liam. Muscle tiredness and Brendan again says it's a it's a muscle strain. You're right mm-hmm. there. There's no need to rush. You look what will happen when we Ross Kyogo back. 
Aye. And we ended up losing them for four months. We and domestically, I think we, we are more than well covered anyway. Oh. And, uh, so if Hacks has come in and done a job, and we've got other guys that have came in and done a job domestically, uh, then that's fine. I mean, we've lost Callum McGregor, and everything I've read about Matt O'Reilly in the number six role has been uh, has been like all. It's been all celebration, it's been all good things. But Gucci Truffer comes in, O'Reilly is wasted in that deep midfield role. Played a couple of wayward passes that put us in danger in midweek as well. Mm. I have no comment on Matt O'Reilly as a number six because I haven't seen him play as a number six. I'm sure I'm going to see him play as a number six tomorrow. Liam, do you agree with the commenter there? Respectfully disagree. Um, aye, he's played a couple of bad passes, but so does every player in the average game. Um, no, I think for a, for a guy who was signed as an attacking midfielder, he's slotted into that number six role very, very well. Um, and especially for somebody so young. I mean, it's a guy who's only, I think he's only played about 100 professional games in his entire career so far. You know, that, that really is incredible. I must admit, Liam, it was a surprise he mm. was the one that dropped back into that role because when I looked at the team when I see Moy in the team I just automatically assume Moy is going to actually drop there and be in that number 6 role because of the couple of times where he has came in and he has played in that role I did not expect Matt O'Reilly uh, I did not expect Matt O'Reilly to actually play that number 6 role but then Ange Foster Coglu, the man who knows more about football than me says well I knew he could play there so maybe, maybe we've all missed something. I mean, the, the the one which I thought we might see uh, dropping back was actually Hatati because he played um, about six months of, of his last season at Kawasaki Frontale as a, a left-back stroke defensive midfielder, depending on the particular formation of the day. Um so, you, you know, you look at the goal he scored the other night, that's not a guy you picture being a defender, but for the last no. six months he was in Japan, he was. And he was probably the player of the year. So That, that was one of the things when we signed him. We thought we said he was a left-back. Eh? Mm. That that's when everybody had a great urge to replace Greg Taylor with anybody who could walk and breathe at the same time. And when Matati came in, so he can play left back. He's getting he's getting played, uh, but he, he was getting played at left back. I'll, I'll automatically pictured Moy in that role, and for what I've been hearing as well, there's a lot of love for Aaron Moy in the comments just now. Is that yeah. justified, Liam? You need to actually tell me yes. if it's justified or not. Um, lying on a beach, no board. I think he, he had a he had a very solid, steady game against Hibs. Barely barely put a foot wrong. Um, I think his his passing percentages were were excellent. Um, as I say, I only saw brief highlights of Wednesday, but everybody was saying he was one of the best players on the pitch. Um, so yeah, I think he's really growing into his role within the team now. And you know, again, if you if you speak to if you speak to to Jared from Celtic Down Under, who has knows a lot more about the Australian players than I do. He said that Moy is naturally a more attacking player than most people tend to think. We we had this idea in our heads that he was a defensive midfielder, but when he plays for Australia, it's usually more of an attacking role that he plays. So he is someone who can do both. Um, 
but being just a little bit slower and steadier, I think. Not not slow as in lack of pace. I mean, just he plays the game at a slower tempo um, and picks out passes with more precision rather than quick, you know. People like Maeda, Kyogo, Hatate, they're all about quick footwork and getting the passes, you know, shooting out passes as quickly as possible. Whereas Moy's more of a put his foot on the ball, look up and pick out uh, a long-range pass. Has he ever you had know? pace, Liam? Has he ever had pace? I mean, that's one thing. I mean, comments folk have gone. He lacks pace, but I can't remember. I didn't watch Huddersfield that often, truthfully. I mean, no. Spoke in Huddersfield, didn't watch Huddersfield that often. But like, did he ever have pace? Is this just something that, uh, like, we just imagined that he had pace and he's lost it? I, I don't again. I. And again, I, I don't want to speak ill of my fellow supporters here, but I do think there is a kind of group think that kicks in whenever we sign somebody over 30 who isn't a Duracell bunny. We think, oh, he's got no pace because he's old, you know? Um, and we need to we need to move away from that kind of mindset because we're, we're doing the players a great disservice. There are plenty of magnificent players who pace was not an issue for them. I mean, right. Example, one of my one of my all-time footballing heroes, Lothar Matthias, right? Played for Bayern Munich until he was 40. And his legs went when he was about 30. But he just moved back. He was a defensive mid, then finally he was a sweeper. But he had the brain and he had the passing ability and he had the creativity. The pace was not an issue for him. So you don't need pace to be a world-class player, you know? No, no, you don't, and I think that's uh, as as the game gets more athletic, people say having a lack of pace is as a problem. But as you just rightly pointed out, it's not yeah. if you've got the football intelligence, Aye. then then you can actually over, overcome it. What's uh, mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Juan Douglas, Kev, the last few games have shown that Moy is a defensive centre midfielder. Mm. Uh, Peter M. G. Moy is not a quick player. He certainly did well for Brighton without pace. That's where he was as well. Did I get? I went for two teams with blue and white stripes. He went for Huddersfield to Brighton. Eh? Aye. Aye. He was really light down there. Chill, Paul. Again, I seem to be picking on you today, Paul. Matt O'Reilly isn't fast either. That's a point. I don't think O'Reilly is the fastest player that you'll ever see. Uh, but he has. No, he was, got... he... Quick enough to play in Jota for that goal against the Manky Mob. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, uh, I, he, he did just. I've always said that he, he hasn't got pace, but he's got the, the pace of thought. Paul and more for us. It's no group thing here. Moy used to have a decent engine getting into the opposition box. He might have never been lightning, but he's definitely slower and too slow for us in Europe and Sevco games. Hmm. Mm, I've no. I, as I say, I've only I've only seen I've only seen the 
the upturn in Aaron Moy's fortunes over the last couple of weeks, so I can't comment on that. I know where Polly is coming for that, but that's based on me seeing his sub-appearances and mm. that one horrendous game against St Mum. Uh, Look, at the end of the day, he's had a couple of good games, right? And a couple of good games does not uh, a world-class player make. So, we, you know, let if we have this conversation again around about Christmas time, I think we can make a fairer judgment, good or bad. But at the moment, he's looking good and he's coming on to a good game. And he I seems to have found his feet, found his place. I think as well that argument could be heard by a lot, a lot of Celtic players are they good enough for Europe over, over this precise moment in time, Liam. It's an argument that we could be having about 11 of them, never mind just Aye. one or two, but there we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, may as well get the team. I'm going to say that Jack Amakis will start tomorrow at Tynecastle with mm-hmm. Hats Kabarovic and I'm going to go Abada on the, on the other side as well. That's my front three tomorrow. Hmm... Abada or Forest? That is the question. Because I agree, I agree with you on the other two. Mm. I I would go with Forest simply because to not play somebody in the next league game when they've just scored a hat trick in the previous one would just be a bit daft. Um, and then Abada with two goals all the night. They're ghosting in at the back post twice. Aye. That's aye. So it's a it's a good problem to have. That's for sure. But I I think that. If Forrest plays the way he played in the first half against Hibs last week, then I think it's better for him to start. And then you bring on Abada, possibly, and Maeda, and even Kyogo as well in the second half, to run at what will be very tired, very um, fatigued defenders. And you could get penalties, you could get free kicks, you could get red cards, you know? Mm-hmm. The midfield for me, I don't, I can't see any different for what's been happening in the last couple of games. It'll be uh, O'Reilly sitting deep, Moy, and I can't, I can't see any change in the midfield whatsoever. No. Um, the back line, obviously, Joe Hart's a given. Um, again, three out the four back. Out, out of the, the three out the, the four back four for me are given. Greg Taylor. Maurice Jens and Cameron Carter-Vickers, who seems to have steadied the ship since he, he's returned from he's returned from his injury, and he's been, 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 from what I'm seeing in the comments here, Jens looks like a world beater now with Cameron Carter-Vickers alongside him, when he looked like Aye. a dumpling with Stephen Welsh alongside him. Mm. I think Carter-Vickers plus one is always going to make for a solid defence. That guy just oozes class. Um I, I really I I think that you can play Starfield or Jens alongside him and it's going to be solid dependable. I mean the couple of day, games he was missing Liam I, I, I think proves that that Aye. put Cameron Carter Vickers Cameron Carter Vickers is a massive massive part of your side probably more there is an argument if we weren't an already a newer in there is an argument to say that it was probably a more important signing than Yota. Now that both of them have been, now that both of them have disappeared for a period of time. Well, put it this way: no offence to Jota, but he has been far more easily replaced than Carter Vickers was. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And right back, I think it'll be Iranovic. There's a few guys in the there's a few guys in the comments shouting for Tony Ralston to come back in. But I, on paper, this is a difficult venue, but. 
Hearts have been a bit woeful this season. We always seem to play quite well at Tynecastle. We really Aye. should get a victory tomorrow, eh? It, it depends, though. If, if it's the case that, you know, there's a few Hearts players have been mouthing off this week about how they're going to get into Celtic physically. Uh, Alex Cotton, um, one of them, he was the one yeah. this morning. It was on the, on the shouting that you need to take bookings against Celtic was his exact words. Mm. Yeah. Um, funny that, because if you or I openly boasted about how we were going to go around kicking people tomorrow, we'd be getting a call from the police, but there you go. Um, no, I think, um, I think there's a chance Ralston could figure simply to put a bit more physicality into the into the back line just in case Hart's trying any other nonsense. Um but also, I mean Taylor, I think Greg Taylor's a superb player. I think he's come on incredibly in the last well, since Ange came in. Um but I've been excited from what I've seen of Burnaby in the last couple of games and I would like to see Burnaby start. Um oh, yeah. Robert Highland uh, is yeah, I, um, I'm right with you on that one, Robert. Absolutely, aye. Because Taylor is going to be better in Europe because in Europe we need to play a little bit more defensive-minded and Burnaby is 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 basically an attacking fullback. So I think going with Burnaby against that, especially if we've got Ralston on the other side playing the more defensive role, Burnaby becomes a good out ball at that point with forward runs. So... I think, yeah, I I would go with I would go with Ralston and Burnaby tomorrow, but I think Ange will maybe go the other way, so we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll wait, we'll wait, we'll wait and see. It's um, I always used to love going to Tyne Castle when I went to enough games to get a ticket for it. Uh, <laughs> it was always a great atmosphere. I've probably got more disrespect for Hearts than I do have for Rangers because. I just think the Hearts fans are extremely confused. Uh, <laughs> if you just want nah. to be Rangers fans, be Rangers fans. Just on these goal. I, 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 don't, I don't know about disrespect for Rangers. You know what they say, Kev. Don't speak ill of the dead, you know? I, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I, I know. <laughs> uh, I, I love going to Hearts. I, I used to love going there. It's only football ground I've been knocked twice at. <laughs> Maybe that's why I've got a strong dislike for Hearts. Not that I've been knocked to any other grounds. I'll, I'll need to clarify that it's only Grundon Scotland that I've been knocked to at twice. Right. It's only Grundon Scotland I've been knocked out at, but I've been knocked out at Tyne Castle twice. Right, that's it, that's. And I was hit with a thunder flash once as well in the early nineties at Tyne Castle. Uh, Mike Galloway was playing for Celtic at, at that point <laughs> and the guy who chucked the thunder flash at us got arrested and it was, it was a stand, it was standing at that time and he got and he got thrown and he got walked in front of the police walked him in front of the Celtic fans and he was getting, <laughs> and he was getting I was behind him because I was getting took away for treatment and I was mm. getting and he was getting pelted with everything like that day. And he ended up with a big cut in his head. And my dad ended up with about 20 odd quid for a couple of pints because he was picking up the pound coins. So, oh, well. <laughs> quick thinking, well played. Yeah, quick thinking, <laughs> quick thinking. So, so maybe that's how I didn't like hearts. Maybe, mm. maybe that's. We've ended it with a therapy lesson. I've had a therapy <laughs> session and I've worked out why I didn't like hearts. Look, everybody, it's been great. We've had a couple, of, we've had nearly 500 on at one point. Uh, we've spoke about. Tom O'Connor, we've spoke about Lionel Blair, we've spoke about Dean Dublin. Uh, 
Dan Breen comes in on that point. It's the like Davy Moyes was the original Celtic stallion. Well, oh, well. We'll only comment how you know that, mate. Uh, I we've spoke about everything today, and Billy Subs Grant comes in and he says, Poets Day, Kev, peel off early, tomorrow's Saturday. Indeed. On that note, we'll, we'll leave everybody. Thanks, everybody, for coming <laughs> and, and getting involved. Liam, it's been a pleasure to be on me again. And yep. we'll see you all soon. Remember, lads, don't be bams to each other, eh? Hail, hail. Hail, hail. phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.